Hello, I'm Stephen Woodford. I'm Chief Executive Officer of the UK's Advertising Association. Now, throughout my career, I've had the chance to see the power our industry holds in driving positive social change. And it is this power that drove us at the Advertising Association, along with the IPA and ISBA, to launch in 2020 Ad Net Zero. It's an industry-wide initiative for advertising to reach net zero in the UK in advertising operations by the end of 2030. I'm delighted to be your host together with Seb Munden of this podcast series, where we'll be talking about the sustainability challenges and opportunities within the advertising industry's path to net zero. In these conversations with industry leaders, we'll discuss the five actions of the Ad Net Zero Action Plan, ranging from curbing emissions from production to using the advertising's power to support consumer behavior change and how businesses in our industry might achieve these. Now, the climate crisis is obviously a global problem and one that concerns us all and in which we all play a role in solving. We're very happy to welcome you into the AdNet Zero world and we hope that we can give you some ideas on how to join us on this journey and what your role is in it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the AdNet Zero podcast series. I'm Seb Munden, chair of AdNet Zero, and today I'm joined by Keely Taylor, global head of partnerships at Groovem, and Brian O'Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Scope3. Welcome to both of you. Maybe, Keely, starting with you, um, why don't you just introduce yourselves uh, for everyone? Sure. So Keely Taylor, I look after partnerships globally on behalf of Group M um, and specific to this podcast and theme. I'm also looking at helping our partners to understand their own decarbonization journey um, and hoping to get some more industry consensus going. Excellent. More of that in a moment. Brian. Uh, Brian O'Kelly, a longtime ad tech entrepreneur and uh, technologist, I guess. Uh, started at Right Media many years ago, where we invented the first ad exchange, and then uh, started AppNexus, which was the sort of innovator of things like real-time bidding and header bidding, sold that to AT&T, and then kind of started my climate journey. Um, got really interested in supply chains and value chains and the implications on the climate, and uh, couldn't help putting the pieces together and thinking about what that meant for advertising. And for the last year plus, I've been working on scope three to figure out how to decarbonize the media and advertising supply chain. Excellent. And um, today we're going to be talking about action three in the AdNet Zero five-point plan. Uh, AdNet Zero um, is the uh, sort of simple but effective approach, uh, as you've come to hear over the previous episodes, five key actions to help the industry um, achieve net zero carbon and other good things besides. Um, we've often said its uh, aim is to uh, change the way we work and change the work we make. Uh, so action three is the one about curbing emissions from media planning and buying. Now, many media owners and channels are already taking action to reduce the carbon impact of their operations. For instance, uh, in the UK, Channel 4 has switched to 100% renewable energy in their London, Manchester and Bristol offices. Um, and many other uh, media owners are taking uh, similar actions 
and um, thinking about their business in terms of reducing its carbon footprint. And in this podcast, we're going to discuss why all of this is important if we're to achieve our ambitions of decarbonizing the advertising industry and making every ad a green ad. So um, maybe, uh, Kaylee, starting with you um, and Group M, um, you know, what, um, what do you, as a business, think we're trying to achieve here? What's your kind of, um, you know, approach to uh, the carbon footprint of media? Yeah, so um, for those less familiar, Group M is part of the WPP holding company. And so on Earth Day in 2020, we made a commitment to decarbonize across our entire supply chain, inclusive of media. And so with Group M being one of the world's largest media buyers, we have a significant responsibility to help to educate across the industry um, and to make sure that we're measuring effectively so that we can manage what we measure with respect to to carbon footprint. Um, There's a bit of healthy conversation about offsets and reduction, um, and it very much is our aim that we reduce first. uh, Anybody who's following along with the kind of the need for climate action, the urgency with which we need to make these changes happen really means that we want to move away from kind of bridges or band-aid solutions to changing behavior. Um, And so in my role within Group M, that is uh, working with the media owners to help to change the behavior amongst their suppliers to be more green. I think that's a a great place to start, isn't it? Which is that um, our point of view at AdNet Zero is this is about reduction, 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 elimination. And there may just be a little bit left at the end that requires offsetting. But this is not an exercise in offsetting. It's a, it, it's a, a deep uh, reconsideration of the supply chain, as you say, and thinking about the elimination of, uh, of carbon emissions from that supply chain. Uh, Brian, uh, for you then at, at Scope 3, what, what, what's the kind of um, driving thoughts that um, got you all going? Well, I think I was inspired last year to see the creation of AdNet Zero and to see the commitments that companies like Group M had made around decarbonizing the media supply chain. And I think the big question I had was, well, how do you measure it? Um, So much of the programmatic space, as an example, is almost impossible to understand, even for people who are experts. Um, There are opaque aspects that we can't solve for media purposes, how the heck are we going to solve this for climate purposes? And so I kind of felt like I might be one of the few people who had the um, maybe amateur, but, but deep understanding of how GHG protocol and other sort of climate measurement uh, attempts were looking at supply chains and the knowledge of the inner workings of programmatic to put the pieces together. And so I started kind of on a napkin, you know, just saying, well, what if you thought about every single ad call on every single web page? How would you even think about that? What, what does the CPU do on your phone or your laptop? How much data transmission is out there? What does that mean? How about all the SSPs calling all the DSPs and all the DMPs and all the cookies? And, you know, just as I started to draw it out, it was too big for my napkin. And so I actually have some big pieces of paper where I have this crazy graph of all the pieces. Um, 
And I started asking folks in the space, like, what are you doing? Like, I know you want to do decarbonization. I know you want to get to net zero, but how are you even counting it? Because I can't figure it out and I'm kind of an expert. And that was the beginning of, of scope three as a business was sort of my journey to understand um, and really to help the industry make good decisions. And I think the biggest insight is that the more you can see, um, the more you can quantify what the emissions are, the easier it is to make decisions about how to balance decarbonization with other media objectives. I don't think anyone's saying, you know, let's go to net zero today. What we're saying is maybe there's trade-offs or choices we can make that are in line with what our clients want because they want to both decarbonize and achieve their advertising objectives. And I think this is a classic kind of advertising, you know, digital advertising challenge. Just everything's a trade-off. The second it's a number, we are all really, really good at optimizing. That's something that we're great at. And I think we can provide the data set to help others, whether that's Group M or AdNet Zero or end clients make good decisions about how to balance different aims. Yeah, and so those different aims, I suppose, are when we primarily think of the media plan, we're thinking of optimizing uh, audiences, frequency, uh, reach. Um, and what you're saying is, yes, and let's think about the impact that that has as that supply chain kicks into gear. Um, Keely, at Group M, what kind of um, response are you getting in terms of this, you know, um, are you asking me to, to trade off between media? Are we talking about um, a um, situation that having chosen a particular medium, then the different players and publishers within that medium, you know, can be evaluated in terms of the different quality of their supply chain from a net carbon point of view? How, how does that conversation go? Yeah, so right now we have a channel level calculator that helps to inform our planners, as well as to do reporting. Um, a lot of the digital emissions is going to be in concert with partners like Scope 3. Um, but we recognize that there are different roles of channels. Um, if you wanted to be as green as possible, there would be a de-emphasis around some different media channels right now. And I think we have to, the same way that an advertiser wants to balance the um, you know, the effective reach and the output of the campaign that is purchased. We also have a, a delicate balance that we don't want to um, preference away from perhaps minority owned media channels uh, or media publishers. Um, and we also don't want to take away from some of the things like public good that's funded through out of home advertising as an example. So we're really striving to reach that right balance that helps for decarbonization amongst a peer set in a channel, um, as well as for kind of optimized to Brian's uh, point earlier, optimized cross-channel media plans. Um, and I think that that allows for really healthy and significant competition, which benefits us all <laughs> in the aim of decarbonization. So what you're saying really is that plenty of room for competition, but in the end to start that conversation with clients, there has to be a data set or an understanding uh, of how we measure the uh, carbon impact of different media. And in a way, it would be quite unhelpful 
if there were a gazillion ways of doing that. So we almost need a kind of pre-competitive understanding of, of what the measures are and how you measure them. And then you need everyone going gangbusters to deliver for clients, whether, you know, the, the, the audience and the reach and the quality of all those things that we've been talking about over the last 30, 50 years in media, plus now the carbon impact of those choices. Is that, is that sort of where, where, where you see it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I, I love the framing of pre-competition. If you look at the television landscape, for example, Nielsen as a methodology, um, I'm going to go out and say that the group on methodology is not perfect. <laughs> we welcome input to help to make it better. Um, but in this journey, perfect is the enemy of good. I think you can say Nielsen's methodology is not perfect. However, it has been a common way of counting that has spawned all any number of competitive planning tools um, and really strong and successful campaigns that agencies have done and delivered on behalf of advertisers. So we're hoping to be able to move quickly together to agree a common set of standards. Um, I think most specifically, the ongoing reporting is only going to be able to be resourced, especially in the current economic um, environment by having it be singular, efficient, and agreed. Um, if every holding company and major advertisers were all counting in a different way, I don't think we move forward as quickly as the need is to deliver against climate action. And that's that comes back to this point about some sort of pre-competitive industry uh, working together and then allowing that competitive zeal to drive innovation and, as you say, both in planning and in media. Exactly. So um, when, when you're presenting then Group M to clients, um, it, are we seeing the beginnings of conversation with some clients around the carbon footprint of their media plans and making different choices? Can you give some examples, not naming any names, of course, but um, of the kinds of choices that people are already consciously making? Yes, I think a, a really great example there, and this is probably music to Brian's ears as well, is we're recognizing that there are all kinds of intermediaries, specifically in digital, and the more kind of pure of a supply path that we can um, navigate, the less carbon is emitted. And nine times out of 10 also, <laughs> there's more net media expenditure with the end publisher. So there are good kind of green choices that are also beginning good media choices. Um, and so that's a place that it's been a little bit more straightforward to measure. The supplier ecosystem for digital providers is sometimes a little bit less extensive than you know getting into you know, forestry and logging for press and print. Um, and so that's maybe one of those places that we've seen a trade-off of having a direct publisher relationship or lesser number of intermediaries to deliver to a plan outcome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Brian, um, just thinking about sort of the development now of Scope 3, can you tell us more about your kind of plans uh, looking forward and, and how you see that really driving um, the decarbonization of media? Yeah, well, let me touch on a couple of points there. I think one is that this idea of a universal methodology um, in, in sort of climate measurement uh, terminology, we think about boundaries. 
Um, because everything's connected to everything else. So you have to define a line of who's responsible for what. Um, and one cool thing about how the greenhouse gas protocol works is that it's about value chains, not just supply chains. So you can easily connect from an advertiser to an agency, to some intermediaries, to a publisher, to those paper producers, to, you can keep going, right? To those employees, you know, to the advertising that company does. And now we're back at the beginning. Um, so you need a line somewhere. I think one of the things that I feel like we all need to do is agree on the lines of what's in and what's out. And in the sort of climate world, we talk about cradle to grave as being the very beginning of a product's life cycle to the very end. Cradle to gate, meaning from the beginning of all those supply chains to the point where you ship it. And one of the interesting questions for advertising is what's the gate? Is it your TV when you actually see the ad? Is it you know, the uh, set-top box? Is it you know, only those things? Is it also include all the production cost? And so there's a lot of really fascinating stuff going on. And this is where I think AdNet Zero has done a good job of breaking that down into sort of five key ideas or principles that we can go focus on. Um, but I think that agreement is key because unlike, I don't know, measuring reach, greenhouse gas numbers roll up into corporate sustainability reports. And that's a regulatory requirement in Europe starting next year. And it's a regulatory requirement in the US soon, which means that these are actually numbers that companies have to rely on and stand behind in ways that we've never seen in the advertising industry. So we have to take this way more seriously. This is stuff that has to be audited, not just by industry folks to make sure we're paying the right amount of money, but audited for inclusion in SEC filings included in ways that activists are going to come poke at. So I take this extremely seriously. The boundaries we choose, the methodology we choose, this is mission critical for huge parts of our end clients, the corporate sustainability folks, and we should be ready for a lot of scrutiny. So this is something that everyone listening needs to be thinking about is, will we have industry standards? Who's going to set those standards? How do we align on those? It's not going to work for everybody to have different standards because our clients will have to roll those up and they're not going to have the resources or patience to go agency by agency, market by market, and try to understand these things. So this is really important. And uh, I, I would say that AdNet Zero has taken steps here. Uh, Group M has taken steps here on, on trying to propose industry standards. And I think that's something we can all align on, knowing, as Keely, you said, they're not going to be perfect. And we're, we're still learning. And the, the reality is that science is still catching up. I believe that the final audit comes at the top of Mauna Loa in Hawaii, where every year they measure the CO2 in the atmosphere. And it doesn't matter what our numbers say. If that keeps rising, we're going to have problems as a civilization. And that's what I'm really focused on is how true are our numbers? Um, not by a standard of what can I get away with, but a standard of what actually will lower the emissions at the top of that mountain. And that does have knock-on effects, not just on working media, but on water use. Data centers are huge consumers of water. And if, if you're in Europe and you're watching all these rivers running dry, or if you're downstream of the Colorado River and you're worried that your farm's not gonna get ir irrigated, or if you're thinking about the global food crisis, if the Po River in Italy goes dry and we can't have risotto, 
because there's no rice. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly joking, but this is all deeply connected and it comes back to numbers we believe in and can trust. And that's not like the future of scope three in the sense of what we're doing as a company, but it's the why. It's why we care so much. And one thing I've been personally working on is actually open sourcing our methodology and open sourcing all the data we've found in different scientific reports to encourage the entire community to collaborate. This is not proprietary. This is something that we want the best numbers out there. And if we're wrong, if our math is wrong, if we're thinking about it wrong, we need everybody to collaborate and help us make it better. And we'd love to contribute this work to an organization over time. It's not ours. It's everybody's. So that's, that's the first direction is make sure the science is right. Make sure we're all learning together. Make sure these foundations, the boundaries, the methodology are shared and universal and do a lot of education. That's why I'm excited about this podcast is I want to make sure that we're educating everybody in this value chain from publishers to ad tech executives, to agency folks, to creative folks, to the people working in production, to the actual clients. Let's all be experts on how climate impacts us and how we impact the climate. What's so important in that is that um, I think conceptually it's, it can be quite simple, but then turning that simple conception into the realistic detail that you're talking about is just the most enormous piece of work. And the thought of, of everybody trying to figure it out on their own doesn't make sense. And that's one of the reasons why we realised quite quickly that there's, there's use, but limited use in having AdNet Zero UK because in the end, it's a planetary problem we're trying to solve. And actually, particularly for uh, global um, players like WPP um, and, and, and many of their clients, they need a global solution with this um, consistency of measurement protocol across all markets, divisions, etc. And uh, I think that's the hope that we have at AdNet Zero that we can, um, uh, as it were, in a pre-competitive way, share um, the work that people are contributing and create a global framework from that. Um, and so what you're describing is, is very close to our hearts at Adnet Zero and, and hopefully will become part of the foundational tool set uh, in, over the course of time. And as you say, if people have better information, bring it on, bring it on uh, so that we can make what's good even better over time and then allow for the amazing um, kind of competitiveness and imagination and creativity of uh, media planning and, um, and, and advertising to continue on that basis. So just coming back then, um, that was your first point, Brian. Um, your, so just um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what's the next step? What's the practical thing that, um, you know, you're thinking about what you can do next, what um, clients maybe should be thinking about what they can do next? Yeah. So I think the first goal was, can we accurately measure the advertising and media value chain? And we've been working on that all year. Um, I think we've realized that we've learned a lot. And trying to extend our methodology to other channels. So we started off with uh, desktop and mobile web, then mobile app. We're working on CTV and you know streaming TV. Uh, we need to do every digital channel, 
And I think actually all channels need to be measured. So expect us over the course of 2023 to be kind of measuring every single, every single dollar spent on advertising to the best of our ability in an open way. Not every bit of data we have can be made open. So we are getting internal data from companies that is very um, competitively valuable. Um, and, and we have to be very careful about that. So one thing that we do is we have kind of silos of data. We have what we can share publicly, which is the aggregated output of, of the model, but we're not sharing all the inputs because we really wanna protect and incentivize folks to work with us and give us accurate data. We're taking our data set and we're integrating it into every platform we can find uh, that wants to do it. So as an example, we have a partnership with Double Verify where all 2000 brands that use Double Verify will start seeing their total emissions across every impression that Double Verify sees in the Double Verify dashboard. And I think that's super valuable. You don't have to call anybody. You don't have to do any integration work. It's sort of always on just works. We're doing the same thing with a bunch of agencies, integrating into their planning tools, integrating into their analytics systems. We're integrating into DSPs. We're integrating into SSPs. Anywhere there's data, we want to take everything and make it really, really easy to see these numbers. And that gives us kind of this universal data set that it doesn't really matter where you look, you're seeing impressions, reach, frequently, frequency, spend, and emissions. So that's super cool. Um, I think the, the second part of that is to think about how to take action. So great, you see all these numbers, what do you do? And this goes back to that competitiveness point. So I think Keely, you know, you're right that across channels, we may not have options. Like I'm not suggesting that, you know, if social platform X is high carbon, we're gonna stop using it. Like YouTube inherently by being a video platform has higher emissions than let's say Twitter. So I am not advocating that you should take YouTube off your plan and move all the budget to Twitter. What I am thinking though, is that within a channel, there are gonna be different options. And if you think about, let's use newspapers, Newspapers may have different choices about, let's say, delivery vans. Do you want to spend millions of dollars to upgrade all your delivery vans to electric? Well, what's the business case for that? Maybe your investors like it. Certainly your employees will like it. Will you sell more subscriptions? Maybe. But what would be interesting is, what if that would help you sell more ads? What if we can say, well, hey, newspaper A has a lower carbon per dollar spent the newspaper B. That's what we want to see in the planning process. We want to create a little bit of a nudge that agencies and clients will spend more money on lower carbon publishers. That's how you start making this a business case and not just a do good case. And so we're hoping that as people see our numbers, they're going to start seeing almost like the true cost of media. What's the cost net of carbon? We know the cost of carbon. Um, some countries have set a number, some companies have set a number. The U.S. just came out and said it's about $180 per ton. Um, Norway says it's 126. Some companies use 100. It doesn't really matter what number you use, but you can actually quantify the cost of carbon. And that's the social cost of carbon, not like what it would cost to do an offset. It's the impact of using electricity, of putting pollution into the air and all the knock-on effects of that. It's the impact of taking water that could be used for crops or for people and using it for cooling servers. That's what I think we can address really easily. 
So as we get to that second step, we want to encourage innovation. We want to encourage competition. We want to make lower carbon just as exciting as part of somebody's media kit as you know these fancy, unique, immersive ad units they just came out with. Okay, brilliant. I mean, that, I find that such a compelling um, kind of narrative. And yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see whether you know that can indeed be the case, that ad dollars are directed towards the suppliers who are tackling most proactively their carbon footprint, um, whichever medium uh, they happen to be doing business in. Um, and uh, I guess that's going to play out from now. We'll start to see some clients will make those choices and, and let's see, see what happens. So, um, Keely, coming uh, back to you, um, you know, challenges. This is enormously brain-achingly, number-crunchingly big and challenging. What are, what are some of the things, what are some of the problems that we might have solved and what are some of the problems that we're grappling with right now, would you say? The part that I'm most encouraged about is that there has not been a single person that I've spoken with on this topic who said, I don't agree, or it's too soon. Um, so everybody's intent is in the right place. I think it is very much a tipping point game. So we need more folks to have a specific opinion about what needs to be measured. Um, there are methodologies that are out there. Group M to the same in the same manner as scope three is looking to open source so that there can be consideration of a methodology. I would argue there's not another one out there that's cross channel. And so let's start somewhere together. Um, so the biggest challenge is for the very large publishers to the point of there being kind of competitive style of information that could be divulged or, or informed based upon sharing of these figures. There's some trepidation to share. Um, and so it's all about figuring out what is a way that you can be comfortable. Um, the, the carrot <laughs> in this example is we absolutely will be preferencing our investment decisions at the direction of clients who also need to be preferencing their investment decisions, um, most specifically with the regulatory pressures that are coming. Um, and I think the thing that the industry absolutely should keep in mind is Group M was very outspoken about the, the um, presence of fraud, bots and, and digital fraud. And the industry has, once we were able to start measuring it, the industry responded and good actors were rewarded. And so I'm hoping that for those who maybe don't have the resources, aren't quite sure where to start, that the spirit of open source sharing best practices continues to evolve um, and that we figure out a way by which we can input information in a compliant way that makes people feel comfortable with those decisions so that we can beget richer decision-making for more investment decisions and it kind of create that flywheel together. But we we need to hear and we need to resource towards a way of counting as the very, the very beginning. So I'm hearing a, an offer out there, which is, you know, start with the work that we've already done and bring you, you know, bring on uh, any ideas that can make it better. Um, and at the same time, I'm hearing... Um, you know, that uh, as we saw in, in the, the case of supply chain fraud, good actors get rewarded when there's transparency. 
And it seems to me that um, your, your, your suggestion is that the same will happen um, in terms of the decarbonization of the media value chain as well. Yeah, I mean, if anything that, you know, to the, the cost associated to carbon, the numbers are even more staggering. Um, so we, we have to figure this out together. No, absolutely. And, and do you have a sense when um, this calculator might be generally available? I mean, when will it be good enough? So the methodology is out there today. Uh, the calculator is good enough in Q4 of this year uh, for the Group M advertisers. Um, and it will only get better with time and with more input. So, um, you know, if, it, if the sketch is a little bit rough on the napkin to start, um, continue to encourage the adherence to a common methodology, require it of your partners if you have direct contracts with them, have them share to the folks that are building out calculators, scope three, group M, um, and it will only get clearer and sharper over time. So I suppose we're also saying to other uh, advertiser groups, media agencies, if you've got ideas, let's try and figure out how in a uh, legal and pre-compressive way we can get those ideas into uh, the public domain uh, and, and raise the level for all votes. Um, what, um, coming back to you, Brian, is the, what, what's your next challenge? What's the thing that's, you know, the kind of next thing to be done? I think for me, the, the decarbonization part is what I'm passionate about. So if you, if you look at 2022 as measuring, I think we're, we're making progress and we're, we're not trying to build a calculator. We're trying to build a data set that everyone can plug into their calculators, to their planning tools, to their ad tech products. I think we're well on our way to that. I think the challenge for next year is starting to help companies up and down the supply chain to actually do something about it. And you know that may mean changes in how we think about programmatic auctions. It may mean um, getting back to some of those direct buying relationships, Keely, that you mentioned, where you know programmatic may not be the only answer. There may be a lot of value in you know direct buys, which I know coming from me, since I spent 15 years, you know, preaching the programmatic Bible um, might sound crazy, but I think especially post cookie. And in a world where privacy is, is more and more important, I think a lot of folks might say that there's, there's less value in making everything programmatic and more value in actually um, going direct. So I think we're gonna see some changes there. Um, my, my goal is not to upset the egg cart. Is that the right metaphor? Um, we have apple carts in the Apple UK, carts, but, apple but, carts. But egg carts, I think egg carts could work too, honestly. Well, you, you can't make an omelet without upsetting an egg cart. I, I don't know. But um, I, think, I think my point is that we are at a moment, an inflection point for the industry anyway, because of especially privacy and the emergence of you know, so many new platforms like Apple. And I think we probably just need to make sure that the next decade for the industry as a whole is built around decarbonization by design and not something we try to hack on at the end like we did for privacy. I think we missed many chances to do privacy right. And I think we could do climate right and really show the world what it looks like for an industry to decarbonize. And I, I think AdNet Zero deserves a huge amount of credit for leading the conversation and leading the movement. I have a huge amount of admiration for Group M as being the first really major company to go all in on this. 
And uh, I think the challenge for me is really making sure that scope three is ready to keep up. We've been almost overwhelmed by the response. And I feel like we have a really high, you know, like bar for ourselves. Like we want to do this right. We want to, you know, rise to the challenge of measuring this huge complex industry. And so we've been hiring pretty quickly. Um, we've been open sourcing our methodology. We're just trying to think of what would a truly great company do at a moment of civilizational inflection of, of industry inflection, where we could actually make a difference together. Um, we think a lot about that. And I think you're right to put this media conversation in the context of total decarbonization. In the end, there are five actions in the AdNet Zero um, approach. Um, the first being own operations, as people who have heard this podcast series uh, sort of sequentially will know. The second being in production. The third being in media. Um, and the fourth uh, being in events and awards and the fifth being in the behavior change the industry creates with consumers um, to advocate and use the same uh, means of uh, creativity to make more sustainable lifestyles more attractive. And those five actions all interrelate. Um, you can't be having a conversation about your media plan uh, carbon footprint if you're not all over your own operations. Um, and so I think you're right to emphasize the holistic nature of it, but also the fact that it can be simply broken down and we can also atomize it in order to focus in the kind of way that um, uh, Brian, you at Scope 3 have done and, and Keeley's describing uh, for the uh, Group M clients. And that, I suppose, is the, the main message, really, which is you can start anywhere. Um, and in the end, you can only really start where you are. But all of these uh, actions will need to come together to create a coherence. Uh, otherwise, you end up undermining your own intention. Um, so just um, uh, as we wind up, what uh, should people listening um, uh, kind of be, be thinking about um, as we leave them? What would be your main one or two takeaways um, in short, pithy uh, phrases? Uh, maybe, Kaylee, starting with you. Yeah, I would say the time to start is now. And if you don't have a plan, I think you have to ask why. Um, so there's never the right time. The stars are never aligned. You have to prioritize. You have to make choices. But the compounding effects of the climate heating up are already very visible anywhere you might live. And so the time to start acting is now. Very good. Thank you. And Brian, what would you say? I would say that every person in this industry can make climate a part of their everyday job. Every decision you make, every you know conversation you have is an opportunity to learn and to teach. And if you're a, a large organization, sign up with AdNet Zero. If you're a client, make this part of your next RFP. Um, if you're an ad tech company or a publisher, just ask yourself, you know, how can I make my organization more climate first? Um, the resources are out there. If you want to be educated, you know, I think there's a lot of great opportunities. AdNet Zero has a great training course. There's, there's a whole bunch of things out there, but just do it. I like that point. You can only start where you are, but just start. Thank you. So uh, thank you both, uh, uh, Keely Taylor. Uh, from uh, Group M, Head of uh, Partnerships, 
and Brian O'Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Scope3. I'm Seb Munden, the chair of Adnet Zero. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Adnet Zero, making every ad a green ad. We hope you found today's session inspiring and helpful. If you want to join us on our path to Net Zero, make sure to check out adnetzero.com, a website giving you further resources and training, as well as information on how to become a supporter.